All right. Good morning, Faith Church. How's everybody doing today? Hey, welcome to our Florence campus. It's so good to have all of you guys here in the building. Can we show some love and welcome all of our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg, our Faith Church family in the Shoals, everybody watching online. Thanks so much for tuning in. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, we want to say welcome. If you're Faith Church family, thanks for being back today. If this is your first time, Man, we're so excited that you decided to spend part of your morning with us. We say it every week. Come on, we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe if you open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Come on, how many people already know that's true? Come on, let's make some noise for a good God. But let me jump right in with the question. How many of us here at all of our campuses, how many people here have ever forgotten something? Let's push, let's push it a little bit. How many people have ever forgotten something important, something significant, a birthday, an anniversary, an appointment? Right, I think, unfortunately, all of us have. It's just something that happens. We just get busy. We get old, get distracted. Well, I, uh, we have a code over here. People wonder where our church office is. If you ever have to come during the week for some reason, it's right over here to my left, your right. It's in this corner of the building. And in order for our staff to get in, our building is locked down because people are crazy. So we lock our building down like a lot of places. And so in order to get in, our staff, you have to push in a code. And I have gone in that door and out of that door literally thousands of times. But I was out on vacation a few weeks ago, came to the door for the first time in a week after going in and out of this door thousands of times, stood in front of the code box, and I had absolutely (laughs) no idea what that code was. I mean, if someone said... Pastor Steve, I'll give you a million dollars if you can put in that code. I would have went away sad, missing. I mean, it just, that number that I put in over and over, it just was absolutely gone. Am I the only one that's ever happened to before? Now, here's something I just, I just found out is, um, if, if by chance, now I, I know this wouldn't happen, but the reason sometimes we are forgetful of everyday things is, is just that reason. There's no passion connected. There's no energy connected. It's the everyday things of life that are easiest to forget. Now, if in past times, if I had gone up to the keypad and I got the number correct and a $100 bill came out and awarded me, rewarded my success in remembering the code, or anybody remember the old school Looney Tunes, good cartoons? Anybody remember, anybody remember Wiley Coyote? Come on, wait, all of our campuses. Anybody remember he would push like the wrong button and a big boxing glove would come out and punch him in the face? Man, the good old days. I miss the good cartoons. Now imagine if every time I got the code wrong, a glove came out of the wall and punched me in the face. Some of you are enjoying that thought way too much. Here's why I say that. Listen, this is so important. Our memory, part of the way our memory works is something called associative memory, which means our strongest memories are tied to our strongest emotions, which means you are more likely to remember an event, to remember something if it's tied to a lot of joy, if it's tied to a lot of anger, or specifically and most importantly, if it's tied to a lot of pain. So if I got punched in the face every time I missed the code, or if I got a $100 bill every time I got the code right, I would be far less likely to ever forget the code, right? Y'all track with me. Now, here's why that's important. Remembering the pain keeps us from repeating the mistakes. Everybody say that. Remembering the pain keeps us from repeating the mistakes. So that's big in life. That's not door codes, that's life. Now, if this principle was always true, there would never be more than one Jurassic Park. (laughs) But there are six Jurassic Parks. At all of our campuses, how many of you guys have seen all six? Anybody seen all six Jurassic movies? It's okay, because honestly, if you've seen one, raise your hand. If you've seen one, you've seen all six. It's it's the same movie over and over and over again. 
And here's why it's the same movie. This is so important. Again, remembering the pain keeps us from what? Repeating the mistakes. Now, the reason there are six Jurassic Parks is they just cannot help themselves and remember the pain. Like every, every movie's the same. They mess with genetic code. They reproduce these dinosaurs and dinosaurs eat the people. And they're sad they like got eaten by people. And then the next movie, they make more dinosaurs. Like you think at some point they would say, we're going to quit making dinosaurs because we don't like to get eaten by dinosaurs. One of the main characters who is in all of the movies, all the Jurassic movies, is Dr. Ian Malcolm. And Dr. Ian Malcolm, the reason his part is significant, especially today as we jump into week two of Gatbo. Anybody excited for Gatbo? Thanks for coming. <laughs> Dr. Ian Malcolm, who is played by Jeff Goldblum, who uh, I personally, I don't really care for, but I like his part. And in, this, in the movie, in all the movies, he is a mathematician and he specializes in something called chaos theory, which probability allows him to recognize, recognize the chaos that's going to follow from bad decisions. And so his part is the same in every movie. He keeps warning the scientists. He keeps warning the park directors. He keeps warning anybody who listen, hey, this is a bad idea. Messing with genetics and reproducing dinosaurs isn't going to end well, but they just don't listen to him. Here are a couple quotes. I didn't know this, but did you know the Jurassic series started as a book series? I didn't know that. This is one of the quotes from Dr. Ian e. Malcolm in The Main Road, one of the original books. He says this, he says, you know, at times like this one feels, well, perhaps extinct animals should be left extinct. <laughs> Jurassic Park, the original movie, he said, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Taking dinosaurs off this island is the worst idea in a long, sad history of bad ideas. And I'm gonna be there when you learn that. Fallen Kingdom, he said this, genetic power has now been unleashed. And of course, that's going to be catastrophic. He said this in the most recent movie, Dominion, that again is like all the other movies. If you didn't see it, go watch Jurassic for free. <laughs> he says, here we are with the opportunity to rewrite life at our fingertips. And just like nuclear power, nobody knew what to expect with genetic engineering, but they pressed the button and hope for the best, just like you are doing now. And then my favorite quote, because it really encapsulates Dr. Ian e. Malcolm's understanding of the chaos theory and them continuing to repeat bad decisions. He says this, come on, everybody. Boy, do I hate being right all the time. Now, here's why everything I've shared so far is important, is because this principle, this idea of remembering the, remembering the pain keeps us from repeating the mistakes, is that's not just an idea that's true. For basic memories, that's not just an idea that's true in movies. That's a principle that's true for all of us. Because I think all of us, if we're honest, there are areas in our life where we have repeated mistakes. And even though we've repeated mistakes that are painful, we sometimes continue to repeat the same mistake. And there's a great verse that captures that idea. I would love for us to read it together. It's found in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. Every voice at all of our campuses says this. As a dog returns to its... So a fool repeats his foolishness. Now, one more time, all, everybody. As a dog returns to its, so a fool repeats his foolishness. This is kind of a gross verse, but it really captures, again, this idea of how sometimes we keep going back to things that are unhealthy. Now, just so I know my audience at all of our campuses, if you're a dog person, raise your hand real high. You're a dog person. All right, cat, if you're a cat person, raise your hand. All right, let's try it one more time. All the dog people, raise your hand. All the people who don't love Jesus, raise your hand. 
Okay, we got you. You're, you're pegged. I mean, let's be honest. Dogs are the better animal. They are the better animal. And just if all the cat people, you know, cat people are kind of uppity like cats. This is my, my humble opinion. If you're like, yeah, I found out in just doing some research that cats eat their vomits, true. So don't be uppity. Cats and dogs, they both do this thing. And it is the most disgusting thing. Right away when I said that, lots of us raised our hands. I'm sure at all of our campuses, all of us have a dog or have had a dog. And we've been there when the dog goes and goes outside and comes back inside or goes to eat and then finds its way into our house. And we can hear it. I'm going to make this noise a lot because I'm going to help you remember this message. And what's crazy, here's, here's the crazy thing. This is the observation of the writer of Proverbs is this dog... And one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons dogs do this is they ingest something toxic. They ingest something that's not healthy. They ingest something that can potentially poison the animal. And so the animal system is, it functions enough to get that garbage, to get that poison out of the system. So the dog will vomit out the toxic, will vomit out the poison and then walk over here and then come back and be like, dinner. And then eat the vomit, which I'm going to be really honest. I'm kind of, I got this tension going on in my life. Part of me, I think it's really, really gross, but part of me, I'm, I'm excited it happens because I don't have to clean that up. So it's kind of, but listen, this is, this is weird. So the point, the writer, the writer of Proverbs, the writer of this scripture is making this profound point that all of us have to gather. His point is not how foul a dog is. The point is how forgetful a dog is. How can a dog vomit something out that made it sick and then forget that that was the very thing that made it sick and re-ingest it? And all of us look at animals like, oh, that's gross. I can't believe a dog would do that. And here's what we all need to know today is a lot of us in this room and a lot of us in Lawrenceburg and a lot of us in Shoals and a lot of us watching online, we have some of the very similar sick, sick cycles in our life where we're consuming stuff that makes us sick. We vomit it out and then we go eat it again. Now, it may not be our vomit on the floor, but for some of us, it's drugs and alcohol. See, here's what a sick cycle looks like. And I'm talking about people who are addicted. And I say this with no shame. If you're in this room or you're one of our campuses and you're struggling with addiction, I'm just saying you can relate. Where we want the thing, we want the high, we want the pill, we want the oxy, we want the alcohol, and we go take it and we get high and we, it brings chaos into our family. It brings destruction into our marriage. It, it hurts our job. We, we lose a job and all of a sudden we feel all this remorse and all this guilt and all this shame. And so we swear it off. I'm never drinking again. And we dump the pills out and we swear up and down. I'm never doing it again. And what happens? We go right back to the thing that makes us sick. And it, it's, not just, it's not just habits like that. For some of us, it's toxic relationships. Some of you in this room, there are people that are toxic for you. And every time you get in a relationship with them, a dating relationship or a friend rela friendship relationship, like they cause other things that are important in your life to crash and burn. They pull you away from sometimes your relationship with God or they pull you away and, it's, and you recognize it. And then you write that person off, you break up with that person and you find yourself going right back to the uh, vomit. For some of us, and this is, this is just real talk, if we can just be real honest in church, pornography is a huge problem. 53% of American pastors participate in pornography. And if it's that strong in the pulpit, I'm sure it's more so for the rest of the body of Christ. 
Now, here's the problem is people go to the website, they click the button, they go there and they feel guilt, remorse. And I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have watched that. I shouldn't have participated. And they'll clear their cash and they'll delete it and they'll swear it off. And what do we find? We find just, just like a dog that returns to his vomit, a fool repeats his fool. And like, we just go right back. We, we keep going right back to the toxic. We go shopping and some of there's nothing wrong with shopping. I love shopping, but some of us like we're in debt and we can't afford it. But man, we just want to go and we get there and we buy the stuff and we come home with the bags and we remember, we remember we're already in debt. And we remember we can't afford it. We remember our credit card statement. So we take some stuff back and we swear that we cut up the cars. I'm never going to do it. Come on. A lot of us in this room, we have sick cycles. I know, um, I know for me, I know for me, if I can just, I'm just going to confess something. Can I confess something? Some of you aren't going to like this. Some of you might find another church. <laughs> I'm glad y'all laughed first service. Like people started getting up moving like, oh, might as well move now. Uh, I really like McDonald's. Can I say that out loud? I know that comes with shame and embarrassment. <laughs> I don't eat it all the time. I eat it like once a month, maybe. But let me just tell you my six cycle. So you know, every now I think, and here's what I eat when I eat, I eat the same thing, eat two cheeseburger meal. And like, just, I'll just get hungry. I think, man, I just would really like some McDonald's. And y'all need to quit hating on me. I can see y'all looking down your nose at me. Somebody is eating the billions and billions of hamburgers they make every day. And you need to be honest, your mama's never made anything as good as a hot McDonald's French fry. Let's, can, can we just get an amen on that? And so I think, oh, I'm going to get McDonald's. And then I'll bring it home and I'll eat it. And like, as I'm eating it, like the guilt is already coming. And when I finish eating it, I'm like, every time, not so, oh, man, I really shouldn't eat that. I'm never eating McDonald's again. And then like two or three weeks later, I think, you know what I would really like? I would like a two cheeseburger meal, large size with a Coke. And then I eat it and I get guilty and I feel sick and I feel awful. And I think I'm never eating that again. And then two or three weeks later, you think, you know what I would like? Come on. Is anybody just honest enough to admit you have, or you've had a sick cycle in your life? Like you keep going back to the thing that's hurting you and holding you back for the dog. And sometimes for us, our hunger outweighs the hazard. It's the instinct in the moment. I want that person. I want to be with that person. I, like, I just, I just want to do it. And at some point, we got to break it. Here's the sick cycle. We crave it. We consume it. We're contaminated by it. And we... I read somewhere that that noise actually makes some people want to throw up. So let's try it. One, two, three. If you get thrown up in church, it'll be a good memory because you'll never forget this message as long as you live. So again, we... We crave it. I just, I just want it. I got to have it. I just need it. I need, I, I need the social media likes. And then we, we delete the account because we know we shouldn't be on there. And then we, then we want to get back on. So we re-sign up for our account. We break up with the person, but we want to be with the person. So we re-engage with the person. Like we have six cycles. We crave it. We consume it. And then we get content. We get sick spiritually, emotionally, physically. We know it's not healthy for us. We vomit it up. Repeat. Repeat. And what I came today to just talk about is that my hope and my prayer for all of us in this room and all of you in Lawrenceburg and all you, and for me, is that God would help break the six cycles in my life. That I don't want to be like a dog that returns to its vomit. Now here's maybe for some of us, I think the rub is there's some behaviors, some cycles in our life that there's not really a scripture for. 
Some of us were asking the question, is it right or is it wrong? When I say right or wrong, I mean biblically, morally, and ethically. And we'll say, well, it's not wrong. And so we, we keep engaging. I want you to notice the rest of that verse again. Listen to what it says. So a fool repeats his, let's say that all of our campuses. So a fool repeats his, everybody hear this. All sin is foolishness, but not all foolishness is sin. What I mean by that is if you choose to sin, if you choose to go against God's word, if you choose to violate God's law, at least my humble opinion would be when you choose to disobey God, uh, that sin is foolish every time, all the time. Now, just because you do something foolish doesn't mean it's sinful. Let me just give you a couple examples. And these are again some sick cycles. I know people that, for example, have chosen a career path and they're killing it. They're crushing it in that career path. I mean, man, they're advancing in the company. They're getting big paydays. They're, they're popping Benji's. I mean, man, they're making money. And there's nothing wrong. The company they work for isn't unbiblical. Having a job isn't unbiblical. However, they're compromising their family because they travel so much they're never home. They're pulled out of church because they're gone every weekend because they're traveling. And so while it's not wrong to work at that job or choose that career path, I would certainly say it's not wise. Because any, any job, any career, no matter how much money it makes you, if it compromises your family and compromises your relationship with Christ, it's not worth it. Some of us who don't want to be single, if you're single and don't want to be single, raise your hand. All the single people look around. You can, you can leave saved and found a spouse in the same service. It's amazing. Let's go. But think about this. Some of us, our standard of the people we're dating or we want to date is just, are they saved? The Bible says we're not to be unequally yoked. And this person says they're a Christian, so I'm gonna, they're okay. Well, again, the question isn't, is it right or is it wrong, but is it wise? Because the person you're dating, while they might say they're a Christian, they've broken up with 14 girls in the last six months for really dumb reasons, and they're just not good for you. So while they might be the right person, they're not the wise person, and for you to keep going back to those kind of relationships, some of you are dating people right now, it might be a different person, they might have a different name with different hair, but it's the same person, and it's toxic, and you need to quit going back to vomit because it's making you sick. God wants to break sick cycles in our lives. So is it right? This is just because it's normal for a dog. See, that's the crazy part about this. It is absolutely normal, as weird as it is. It's normal for a dog to throw up and go eat the vomit. And while you might be comfortable watching, or not comfortable, you're comfortable watching it, we have bigger conversations to have. <laughs> if you're accustomed to seeing that, in a dog, that's one thing. But if you acclimated that kind of behavior in your spiritual journey, something's wrong. See, the difference between dogs and people, while there are lots, dogs are driven by their senses, their instinct. All they want is food. Dogs have sense. People have common sense. And our common sense ought to cause us to see some of the patterns of our life. And I'm saying me in this. Some of the patterns we allow ourselves to get into, sometimes generational patterns. Some of the patterns in your life aren't just the things you're doing. They're the things your daddy did. They're the things your granddaddy did. And like you just keep repeating that behavior. Some of it is just in your own life, but it's those cyclical things. It's the six cycles in our life that God wants to break. And you can't allow your crazy. I know you might want it. You might desire it, but you can't allow the craving to keep you from your calling. 
You can't allow a moment of passion to push you away from your purpose. Listen, an animal's going to be an animal, but God's anointed you and called you and created you and designed you to do something greater that six cycles will keep you from. And so God wants you to not be like the dog. He wants me to not be like the dog that keeps returning to my vomit because I'm just a fool repeating my foolishness. And I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but you know when you come, anybody here, can, can you relate to this? Anybody remember when you came to Jesus and God gave you a different temperament about stuff that now you want to do that you used to not want to do? Listen, some of you, you're like, you're shocked you're in church today because you swore I'm never going to church. And yet here you are like three weeks in a row. <laughs> and then once you come to Jesus, there's things that you used to do that now make you sick. Anybody here have a new taste? I have a new tolerance for things. There's things before I became a Christian, there's people I hung out with, things I did, conversations I had, TV shows I watched that I had a different tolerance for than I do now. Now, if I try to participate in those things, it just it's like spiritually makes me sick. I just want you to know this. That sick feeling is a good feeling to have. It's actually the feeling of getting sick that's keeping you healthy. God's plan, watch this. If you're taking notes, God's plan for our lives isn't to keep us from pleasure, but to keep us from pain. See, he knows that some of the decisions you're making, while in the moment you're like, I just want to find somebody to be with. I, I just want that career path. I just, like he knows in the moment why it make, make you feel good, he knows where it's going to end up. In our mindset, and some of you are raised in a church that you think God doesn't want you to have any fun. Come on, some of you are raised in a church that pastors yelled at you for everything you did that brought you joy. And God is just a cosmic killjoy that wants to keep people from fun. No, that's not who God is at all. God is a good, wise, heavenly father that knows the outcome of decisions and events. And his goal isn't to keep us from pleasure. But he said, I don't want you to go down that path, not because I don't like you, but because I love you. And if you go down there, pain is at the end of that road. And he wants to keep us from the pain. Come on, somebody. That's who your God is. So the goal, the reason he allows sometimes for you to get sick, we want to say, man, I just wish I quit feeling this way. The goal is not to stop from getting sick. The goal is to keep you from consuming the contaminants. God wants you to see, I want to ask you a question. What is the thing that you're consuming that's making you sick? What is the cycle, Lawrenceburg? What is the cycle, Shoals? What is the cycle in your life that you find yourself that you keep going back to? What is the thing that you keep returning to? And when you get there, inevitably, it makes you sick. It hurts you. It pulls you away from the person you want to be. It pulls you away from the person you know God's called you to be. Maybe even impacts your home, your family, your relationship with God. What is the cycle in your life that today God wants you to break? Because it's like a dog that returns to its vomit. So does a fool repeat his foolishness. Now, this principle is, is much bigger than what we're talking about. In fact, it gets so big, it gets narrow because it tackles kind of one of the main issues. In the New Testament, Peter writes about this very verse. He quotes the verse we're reading out of the Old Testament in the New Testament. And he tackles the issue of self-righteousness. Everybody say self-righteousness. You know what self-righteousness is? Let me just give you a definition by asking you a question. Or asking, do you ask yourself this question? If you ever wrestle with, or you ever ask yourself this question, am I good enough or am I doing enough? You're self-righteous. When it comes to a relationship with God, if you ever think, am I doing enough? 
Am I good enough? You're self-righteous. Because let me give you the answer. No, we can never do enough. Do you know why? Because God is perfect and we're not. God expects perfection and we can't deliver. God is holy and we're not. And the only thing that can bridge the gap is not us not praying enough, giving enough, doing enough, believing enough, reading the Bible enough. The only thing that bridges the gap where God is and where we are is his son, Jesus, who came and lived a perfect life that we couldn't live, got a sacrificial death that we deserve. And when we put all of our hope and faith in him, that's how we become children of God. So while I'm not good enough, Jesus was good enough for all of us. Come on, somebody. But this little thing happens. I've seen it happen in my life where you know you're not good enough and you start going to church and you start like you catch some momentum in your spiritual journey. You start living for God. You start doing like, you know, like I'm in a good place. And then you start thinking I'm good enough because I'm doing enough. Oh yeah, baby. I read the entire book of John in the month of May. I've been in church 16 weeks in a row. I'm a tither now. Man, I give a 10% every time God bless. Like, and we start feeling, you weren't enough. You will never be enough. And anytime you start wondering, am I enough? Self-righteousness creeps in. And listen to what Peter has to say about this. He says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, 20, and 22, he says, they promise freedom. Now, the they he's referring to was in the church, in this brand new movement right after Jesus died, was laid in a tomb and rose from the dead as this message spread of who Jesus was. And people started buying into it, that they could put their hope in a Messiah. They could put their hope in a savior. But religious people kept coming back saying, but yeah, you got to keep the festivals and you got to still make the sacrifices and guys, you still have to get circumcised. Woo! Still got to keep the law. Peter says, there's no place in you trying to make yourself righteous and trusting in Jesus to make you righteous. He said, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption for you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape the wickedness of, wickedness of this world by, read this with me, knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How are you getting to heaven? By knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How are you made right with God? By knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do you ever get good enough to have a relationship with your heavenly father? How? By knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, period. That's it. How? By knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he says, when you get there and then you get tangled up again, enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. They prove the truth of this proverb, a dog returns to its vomit. And another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. He's saying like, once you come to Jesus, this is for all you, all you hardcore church people. He said, once you figure out that Jesus madly loves you and courageously died for you and you abandon yourself by putting all of your faith in him. He said, when you ever go back wondering again, am I good enough and am I doing enough? He said, man, you got a sick cycle going on. You're just going back to the vomit of your good deeds. And every time you eat that vomit, it's just making you sick again. Self-righteousness will keep you sick. If you're here today wondering, am I good enough? Nope. It's only Jesus. It's only his perfection. It's only the life he lived. It's only the hope he gives. It's ever enough for humanity. So here's a crazy thing I found out about dogs. Again, there's several reasons why they vomit and then eat it. One is because they eat something toxic, something poisonous, 
and then they vomit it up. They forget that that's toxic and they eat it again. Here's another reason. I think this really ties in well with what Peter's saying. Do you know one of the reasons that dogs eat their vomit is because they're hiding their weakness. So they get sick. One more time. And they throw it up and they eat it real quick. And here's why. This is so important. Because if the other, if the other dogs in the pack, because that's how they're used to running, if another dog in the pack sees they're weak, they can't afford to be found weak because if they're found to be weak, the pack will consume them. So they hide their weakness from anybody around them because I can't afford for anybody to think I'm weak. And I don't know if you're track women, but that's how a lot of us Christians are. We run in a pack called the church and we convince everybody, I'm not sick. I'm good. My family's great. My marriage is strong. Finances are in order. My kids love Jesus. I'm healthy and strong. Like I'm good, baby. All you got to do is look at my social media posts and every picture is perfect. Every sunset's beautiful. Every family picture, we're all smiling. Took 37 pictures to get there and I almost divorced my wife, but we look good because we hide our weakness. And a lot of you, you show up and your idea is you got to walk in. Hey, pastor. Yeah, I'm good, baby. It's all good in the hood. We're wonderful. No. Mm -mm. See, here's the problem with convincing yourself you're always okay. It's only sick people or a candidate for an appointment with the great physician. Jesus came to be the great physician. If you're like, I'm good, I don't, I'm not sick. Then you set yourself outside of the only help available. That's good. Jesus said it this way. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. That's right. Who does? Sick people do. So he said this, he said, so I've come to call those who, not who think they're righteous, not self-righteous people, but those who know they're sinners. Jesus said, I can't, if you think you're okay, if you keep hiding it, like, isn't that what we do? We hide it all. There's a crazy verse that's found in James and it says that if we confess our sins one to another. Now, I'm not at all suggesting that anybody stand up and say, Pastor, I'd like to have five minutes of the church's time, please. <laughs> and for you to list out your chaos. But what he's suggesting is in a, in a, in a confident, strong friend, Christ relationship that you can trust somebody that you be bold enough to open up and say, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I'm not perfect. Here's where I got a sick cycle in my life and I find myself, I keep going back. God's word promises that there's just something profoundly healthy in that. See, the world will tell you, project strength, project strength. If you always project strength, you don't need any help because you're always strong. Jesus says, if you'll do, I know you're broke. You're not fooling me. Jesus said, if you'll be humble enough to admit the reason you're covering stuff over, the reason you're trying to hide it, because you want to tell everybody else and convince everybody else you're okay. He said, if you'll come to me, he said, if you'll confess it to me, you'll find real health. You don't have to cover over sickness and pretend to be healthy. Faith Church, you can walk out of this room healthy for the first time in your life. So my question for you is, what is the sick cycle? What is the behavior? What is the attitude? What is the thing in your life that you find yourself running to? And it always leads to shame and guilt and condemnation. It always leads to some kind of sickness, but you just can't help yourself. God can break that in your life. In fact, the big part of our spiritual journey is creating new cycles in our life. That we get rid of sick cycles and we start healthy cycles in our life.
there's a verse I wanna read as we get ready to close. And the idea that Paul, the writer of the verse we're about to read in Romans chapter 12, he captures this word called repentance. Everybody say repent. Repent. It's this idea. And he says it this way. I want everybody, every voice read this out loud. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Quit doing the stuff that's making everybody else sick because you're just getting sick too. Everybody read this with me. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. What is repentance? Repentance is to learn and to turn. It's to learn and to turn. It's to learn, it's to have the common sense, what is the thing that's making me sick in my spiritual journey? What is the thing that's not healthy for me? And once you learn it, you turn away from it. You make a choice. I'm just not going back. I know you've made lots of promises. This is my last time. I'll never do it again. What would happen? Oh, come on, somebody. I believe the God we serve can do this. What would happen if the last time you said it's the last time was really the last time? The God you serve is big enough to do that. Has anybody been in the place you ever been sick one day, one night, like you're just your stomach's unsettled and, and you, you feel like you're gonna be sick, but you're not sick. And you know the only way to get rid of the sickness is, come on, y'all and say, tickle the hangy bag thing in the back of your throat. <laughs> tickle the punching bag. And you hate it for that one moment you're sick, but as soon as, like, as, soon as it gets out, come on, y'all, some of you are offended I'm being crap. I'm just, listen, the Bible talked about vomit. The Bible started to take it up with Jesus. I'm just telling you, I've been in those moments where like, I just feel sick. I'm just, oh, I just don't feel good. And you just go get that out of your system. And as soon as that's out of your system, you're good to go. I'm just saying, there's some stuff in your system. There's some stuff in your mind, some stuff in your heart, some stuff in your home. And God says, listen, man, you gotta, you gotta learn and turn. You gotta realize that's making you sick. Get it out of your system. Come to me and I will make you old. What would happen if the last time you said it's the last time really is the last time? God can do that. So at all of our campuses, I just want to pray for you with every head up and every eye looking around. If you're just humble enough to admit, I'm not perfect, I'm broken. I got some cycles that need broken in my life. Why don't you lift a hand real high? I'm lifting it. Not as an example, I'm lifting it with you. I got some stuff that need broken in my life. So Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, humble. We want to hide it. We want to bury it. But Lord, we come before you. Father, we confess there's some sickness in our life. There's some relationships, some attitudes, some issues, some behaviors. God, some of it needs to break generationally. But Lord, for all of us, we pray, Jesus, come be the great physician. Come and heal us. Come and give us new cycles, new behaviors, new ways to live as we follow you. Father, we're grateful that, Lord, we can never do it on our own strength, but with you, all things are possible. If you're here, you've never given your life to Jesus. If you're one of our campuses and you're listening to this, I want you to know again, Jesus is the only way. He's the only one who can bridge the gap. He's the only one who can connect you to your creator, to your savior. If you've never given your life to Jesus or you're backslidden, maybe you grew up serving the Lord and you're not serving God today. The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
So I'm gonna close with just one more prayer. If you're here, you're watching this online and you wanna give your life to Jesus, you wanna put your hope in him, you can pray a really simple prayer like this. Jesus, I believe you lived a life that I couldn't live and you died the death that I deserved. I put all of my hope in you to be my savior. Make me whole and make me your child. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.